So we're back. Without Andy. Without Andy, who is seems to be doing very well with his swimming while he's away. But I've noticed I know tweets about swimming. Noticed about his tweets too, but do you know what? I think that we, we're also doing quite well without him. Yeah, I think so. I oh, thank you to everyone that sent us nice tweets after last week's episode. That that was very reassuring. Yeah, it was. Um, so maybe we could even encourage Andy to extend his holiday. <laughs> yeah, or let us take over on a more regular basis. Somebody did say that we should have our own podcast, didn't they? Yeah, they do. That's very nice. It's nice. People are nice. So. Well, wait a second, it's Friday, right? It is Friday today. So I hope you've got some exciting weekend plans, or are you working all weekend? I have got to work on something. I have to do some writing that I have been meaning to do for a very long time. I need to get on with it. And Aral's away um, speaking at a convention, so I have the time and space and no excuse not to do it. Is he away abroad, or is it local? No, it's only at Heathrow, so it's not terribly glamorous. <laughs> nah, so that's why you didn't you didn't go. No, I can't really afford to take any more time off work at the moment either. Cost costs a lot, and that kind of ties in with what we're going to talk about today too. I think it totally does. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. anyway. <laughs> How about you? What are you doing this weekend? Well, I I've I've got it's a bit of a photo weekend for me. Tomorrow I'm going to Edinburgh to do a photo shoot in a studio, which isn't my usual style. So I'm quite excited Ooh. about actually doing something different. And fingers crossed, I can get all of the lights to work okay. Um, that's for my sister. She's a dress designer. That's for her new line of dresses. Um, so that'll be good. And then the next day, I'm actually also photographing a friend who has a bit of um self-confidence issues and just wants one nice photo of herself so if I can do that for her then I'll uh, it, you know that's helping somebody quite a lot if you can show them a photo of themselves and they think actually I look nice in that that's quite a big deal yeah I can imagine wow there's a lot of responsibility as well doing something like that well it is but just recently um do you know Dan Rubin I do so recently obviously Dan's a really great photographer and I feel quite uncomfortable getting my photo taken. Yeah. Um, and he, we were, we were in the Highlands. Um, cause I think if anybody, if any, if any American person visits Scotland, you have to take them to the Highlands. <laughs> so he was taking photos off me and I was like, no, I really hate the way I look in photos. And he was like, well, what is it you don't like about yourself? And I said, well, it's, um, have quite a chubby face. Okay. And then he, through me telling him that he was able to kind of fix my hair in a way that elongated my face. Yeah. And he took an amazing photo of me and I was like, oh my God, I look great in that shot. So seeing the way that he did it with me has kind of armed me with a few tips to how to do it with her on Sunday. So hopefully I can do for her what Dan did for me. Oh, that sounds like a really great skill for a portrait photographer. I think it's quite difficult to... I think it's quite a difficult skill to have. You kind of work in, you know, when you take up photography, you've got to work on your composition and your light and understanding your camera, but actually directing people and getting flattering photos is a whole other thing to learn. So, wow, yeah. It would be good to practice it. So, that's my weekend sorted. All photos. Yeah, so a, a working but fun weekend. Yeah, and hopefully some time for video games too. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. What are you playing at the moment? The Last of Us. Is it good? 
Oh my goodness. Yes, it's amazing. I I hadn't played it before. It was out in PS3. Have, have you heard of it? Yes, I have. It's a very uh, film-like game. Yeah, it? and it's really popular and all of the critics love it and gamers love it and I hadn't got around to playing it, which is stupid because I call myself a gamer. But um, So now that it's been remastered for PS4, I've picked it up and it's just a shame that it's, it's times like this that I wish I didn't have to work and I could just spend an entire week making my way through it. But I've got to make money in the first place to buy video games. Chicken yeah. and egg, isn't it? Uh, I have a big problem with console games. I've become very addicted, particularly if they've got a strong narrative and I have to play them until I finish them and work can fall somewhat by the wayside if I get like that. So it's yep. been a while since I've played a console game. Although I've been playing an indie Mac game on, on Steam at the moment called Project Zomboid. And that's a really, it's a, a sandbox survival game. And it is about zombies. Yeah. And then the game I'm playing is about zombies. Everything's about zombies. There's a definite, zombies are very popular, I think, in uh, general culture stuff at the moment. No wonder. They're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> they are They are amazing, but I think that when you're, I think everything that's about zombies is very rarely actually about zombies. It's usually about people and how they survive in a situation with zombies, like how their relationships with each other work. Um, like if you watch The Walking Dead, it's not about zombies at all. It's about the survival of the community. They actually have real experiences in real life based around that kind of thing. I don't know if you've seen it. How do you mean? Like um, they had something in Glasgow. Can't remember what it was. What it was called. Something like twenty four hours later, and they literally turn the city into like they actually get people in to act as zombies, and you've got safe houses. And oh yeah, I've seen it. That sounds really fun. It does, but it, it, it sounds as well that it could be quite scaring. It could be <laughs> yeah. really scary. Yeah. But I keep, I have a very overactive imagination and I keep waking up and dreaming, like th- thinking that there are zombies in the house and things like that. Oh my that. goodness, that video game must be really good then if it has that effect on you. It's very simple, but I think that my imagination really takes it a step further <laughs> it's not a bad thing to have as an act of imagination no i don't think so so on to our topic for the day because i think actually our talking about um computer games ties in quite well because yeah we're going to talk today about the the myths about working for yourself particularly as a solo entity because you and i are at the moment both uh, solo we work for ourselves we don't work with anybody else mm-hmm. we're both now you're working back from home as well aren't you so yeah we both work from home and i think quite a few people think that we would spend all day sitting around playing computer games oh i definitely think that's one of the most common misconceptions about working for yourself is that in fact i've specifically made a note here when i was writing down the myths you can take video game breaks when you feel like it and i would say that's definitely a false myth although years and years and years ago when i first started working for myself from home and i'm talking about when i was I must have been about 20 or 21, so I was really young, so I guess I can kind of forgive myself, but back then I was I was terrible at giving into the distractions surrounding me in my home environment, and I was, I was a lot more into gaming back then than I am now, possibly even quite obsessively back then, and every possible 
opportunity for a break, I would take it and I would turn on my Xbox. And of course, when you tell yourself, I'll, I'll play, I'll spend 15 minutes on my console. It never is just 15 minutes. It easily no. grows into an hour. So back then, I, I did succumb to the distractions and do that. But unsurprisingly, I never got anything done. I never really accomplished anything special in my work back then. Whereas now, now I don't succumb to those distractions. You know, you know what it's like when you work for yourself. When, oh, yeah. you, when you work from home or even when you work in an office, you your work requires you to get into this flow. Mm-hmm. And it takes a while to get into that flow. You have to get into a state of concentration. So back then I was easily broken out of that concentration and played my Xbox. But these days I don't do that. And unsurprisingly, I get a lot more done. Yeah, I think it does take a while for you to learn what your optimal uh, environment is like for working and when you're most productive. And then you know to which distractions you have to get rid of. I think I found that I couldn't work in a room where there was a TV um, because I'd just be tempted to go sit on the sofa and watch TV. But can you not even have it on in the background or is that a complete distraction? It depends on the work I'm doing. A lot of the time I do have something on in the background because this is going to sound very strange, but I find it easier to have something like that on in the background because that occupies that kind of wandering part of my brain. And then I don't end up going on Twitter all the time and completely diverting off work and getting distracted and getting into conversations on Twitter. So that's, so I just have something on in the background that keeps me focused on what I'm doing, which sounds very strange. Well, it, it doesn't, but that's quite interesting that you mentioned it kind of keeps you off Twitter because I have the um, Twitter client on my Mac open all the time, pretty much. Um, and I guess it is quite distracting, but is that, do you, do you actually turn off Twitter when you're getting your work done then? Yeah, I didn't used to, but I do now. And I find it does make a big difference for me. But then, arguably, Twitter is more part of your work, interacting with your potential customers and things like that is part of your work. Oh, well, even today I had a couple of people mention Insurance by Jack and the fact that that popped up on my screen, I got that notification and I was able to respond within minutes, I think that that in some respects can really help my business as opposed to maybe taking, you know, hours to reply to them. So yeah, you could, I I can easily dress it up like, yeah, it helps my business, but it probably, I probably would benefit from closing it from time to time. I guess it might only mean only having the insurance by Jack account up and not having your personal account up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe, yeah, I should do that. There's no it's very excuses. easy to say yeah <laughs> yeah it's so easy to make excuses for for doing it i I get a lot of work through twitter but i'm i don't need to be chasing that kind of stuff up when i'm supposed to be doing other things because it mostly is it's mostly silly discussions or like someone asking a question that can easily be answered later yeah that's it there's no urgency required you may get work through but there's no urgency to respond to that yeah those things right now no if anything rather than someone seeing like seeing me instantly reply and think oh wow yeah she must be really good at what she's doing i think people are far more likely to say 
Wow, she's replying a bit too quickly. Is, does she actually work when she's uh, <laughs> on well, her computer? Yes, and you know, it's funny you say that because I'm not going to mention any names, but there are people I know on Twitter who I just think they're so active on it, literally, if you look at their timelines, yeah. they're literally tweeting every two minutes for the entire mm. day. How do they get any work done? Oh, how do they not get bored to death? <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's it's amazing. So so there's that one. Yeah. So video games. No, yeah. no. We we don't. We can't just take breaks whenever we want and play video games. That's not yeah. going to happen. And same thing with the uh, daytime TV. I think goes along with that. A lot of people think that if you work from home, you watch a lot of daytime TV. Well, I don't. Do you? Oh no. I mean, I watch other things. <laughs> no, I I don't watch other stuff that much, but. Uh, I certainly wouldn't turn on t- terrestrial television in the background. So what do what do you put on? Like something from Netflix or yeah, TV it depends. Series? Yeah, it depends what I'm doing. I can't have anything on if I'm writing, um, if I'm researching, reading anything. I can't do anything like that. But if I'm particularly when I'm doing things like illustration, I find that that's quite a, a good moment to stick something on in the background and sometimes I'll try and I've done when I was working on some designs for a site that was aimed at kids I watched a lot of cartoons and it's things amazing. like that with the idea that maybe it could give me some ideas get me into like a, the right tone of voice um, for that kind of work and did it help I think it did I, I don't know if there was anything that directly affected it but it did get me in the mood for doing it um, whereas mostly I think, mostly I stick on something really trashy um, TV series. So something that's not going to require a lot of looking at the screen, because I'm mostly just listening to it rather than watching it. You know, see, I'm quite the opposite. I actually probably spend 90% of my work day in complete silence. And I don't think that's a good thing because... So I get into the zone, so I'm not even thinking, oh, I don't have any music playing or oh, I don't have any background noise or whatever. But then when I, because I work from home as well and I live by myself, it means that even when it comes time to, to switching off from work, I have potentially, I could potentially spend the entire day in silence. Mm, having oh, never had strange. it yeah and, and having obviously never had any conversations. Well, actually I do. I'm not going to lie. I talk to my dog. Oh, I do as well. Oh, good. Um, I think that, and when I live by myself as well, I think I'd get up to the evening and I wouldn't have spoken to anyone except the dog. Yeah, that's that's quite scary. That was one of the reasons why I moved into a co-working space. Although I'm I'm back working from uh, from home again, but um, yeah, I can. I, it's something that like today it was it's Friday, and I thought there's something just a bit more casual about working on Fridays, even though it's no different to any other work day. You still have to get loads done and you still work for yourself. There's just something a bit more relaxed about Friday. So I was thinking of putting, um, I've started watching Heroes. So oh, yeah. I'm like way behind, but I, I thought about putting that on the TV. But yeah, most of the time I can end up just sitting in silence. And I don't know if that is, I might get this word wrong. I don't know if that is conducive to my productivity or yeah. if it's just that I always forget to put background noise on. I don't know. No, if you if you're forgetting, then I think it sounds like you're focusing. Yeah, and you, I made the type of work that you're doing as well. You you do end up doing a lot of producing content and things like that, and I can imagine it's not easy to do that with noise going on in the background. 
yeah, that's true. When I'm writing like you, I really need to, to focus. So yeah, I do a lot of that for, for the insurance stuff. Um, but I have one here that I think a lot of people would think when you work for yourself, you don't start work until noon. Yes, I've got that one. You get up in the middle of the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, do you know, I would, I would, I would say that that's false, but then, but then I would also say that sometimes you can end up working for yourself really late into the night because you've got a deadline or whatever. You've got to get something done. So I would never sleep until noon, but sometimes you might give yourself a little bit of a lie-in. And it is all about, as long as you do get your work done, I don't think it really matters when you get it done, but I certainly would never sleep in until noon. Yeah. I know a lot of people who are almost nocturnal, I think, and their working hours are very late at night. And they do as much work as anyone else. They just do it at a different time of day. And... That, that's why I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm very disciplined and I make sure that I work a certain amount of hours in a day. Otherwise, I'm not happy with myself. How many hours, if you don't mind me asking? Well, this is time-tracked hours. So if I haven't done at least six time-tracked hours, which generally means about eight, hour, eight, to, eight to eight and a half hours sitting yeah. at a desk, but I'm quite, I'll, I track my own time for things like email and stuff like that. But when I fiddle about on Twitter or uh, get distracted by something, I I don't track it. So how did you become so, um, what's the word? Um, you know, it's, tracking my time isn't something that I do. So how did you become so kind of disciplined with doing that? Or is, have you always done that since you started working for yourself? Did you think, okay, it's really important that I track how many hours every day I do? I think I started out just tracking the time that I spent on client projects because I had to in order to bill by the hour. And I wanted to be honest about that, not just make a rough guess. And but then I think oh, it was maybe three or four years ago, I start, I decided to start tracking how much time I spent on email and other things because I was spending a lot of time on these other things that did contribute towards business they were working hours that I wasn't getting paid for them and in order to work out how much I should be charging I needed to know how many hours I actually worked a day and it also gave me great insight on how much time I waste on things like email I can I have really great stats now from doing it on like how many hours or days I spend doing email in a year Mm. and things like that and I can see how that compares I can see that I do it when I do bookkeeping I track my time and it's a good reminder of when you're letting get things get out of hand because I don't want to spend any more than an hour on email a day which I often do because it just takes away time from everything else and very few emails are that important they can always wait what do you use as an app I just use free agent I used to I think I used to just note down the time I started and then note the time I finished. But now Free Agent has these little recording buttons where you can start a timer. They're brilliant because you can turn off your computer, go away and come back and it will still be running. It's it's really clever. And that helps as well. But the weird thing about this whole myth surrounding if you work for yourself, you don't start working till noon. I have no idea where that came from because... The people 
that I know who work for themselves are actually the ones who are putting in stupid hours, you know? They're, like, getting up at the crack of dawn to start work, and they're sometimes finishing at 10 o'clock at night. So I have no idea where that myth has arisen from. Because no one else is going to give you money at the end of the month. Yeah. So you've got to do it, otherwise you're not going to eat next month. And, yeah, I think that makes people like that. I don't know, maybe if you're working for somebody else remotely or something like that, you can get away with things like that more. But if you're paying, then no chance. I get up at um, I get up at 6, 6.15 most mornings, and I am I try to be at my desk by 8, I think. Wow, that's quite early. I'm, I'm an early bird, definitely an early morning person. Yeah. And I try and take, I, while the weather's bright in the mornings i take the dog out first thing as well yeah well we were just talking there before we recorded about how difficult we find it because we both have dogs and we're also both really into like we make exercise a daily part of our life sometimes it can be so difficult to balance a full work day with getting an hour walk in for the dog and then getting your hours exercise in as well so i think that getting up early really means that you you can you can easily map that day ahead of you out yeah, well, I, it wakes me up, and it, I'd otherwise probably spend that time like messing about because I'm not awake yet, and it means that I get it out of the way so I can then work constantly and through to the evening. And actually, talking about working all night, I I stop myself from doing that by making by going to the gym at, at six half six uh, every weekday. I'll I'll normally have a class booked or something, so I have no excuse. And I just have to go, and I have to put down the work and stop and relax for the evening. Because I had terrible insomnia before I started going to the gym. Yeah, but did that have anything to do with your monster addiction or Red Bull, whatever it was? (laughs) Yeah, probably the amount of caffeine I had didn't help, but I think that I wasn't physically exhausted and my brain was still going a million miles an hour because I was still thinking about work because I wasn't winding down before I went to bed. Now, I think I need a good four hours, three, four hours of stopping work before I go um, and spending that amount of time decompressing before I go to sleep. Otherwise, I just can't sleep. Yeah, you sound a lot more disciplined than me, though. I'm still on my computer, maybe not working, but I do a lot of... I do a lot of reading right now, like even on the iPad, it's still, it's still like, you know, it's a digital connection, it's a digital yeah. thing. So, um, are you saying that you just, you completely get away from your computer and any kind of connection to the web at that point and just wind uh, down? No, after, after the gym, I'll, I'll still do, uh, I'll still go on the web and go on Twitter and things like that, but I won't open my email. I won't open my to-do list or any other apps that are work-related, just mm. so that I keep out. Of my, I even so since I've been working with Aral on things, it's difficult because work is at home as well, and work is everywhere we go because it, we are like most the majority of the team. And I keep saying he'll he'll start talking to me about something to do with indie, uh, like in the evening, like just before we go to bed. And I'm like. I'm going to have to stop you there. <laughs> I won't be able to sleep if you tell me this because I'll be thinking about it all night and I just won't sleep well. So you're going to have to tell me in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> I must sound ridiculous, but that's how I know how well my body reacts to these things. So I have to be really strict on myself. 
No, you're right. You're right. I think that's the the right way to do things. I think everybody should take a a, a leaf out of your book, which is a saying I don't understand. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So, do you have any more? Um, I do. I have uh, the idea you could take a holiday whenever you want. Oh yeah. Well, you, yeah. There, there's there are lots of um. See, I made another point that I think kind of overlaps on that. And it's basically just about how your people think you're always available to do anything at the drop yeah. of a hat. Yeah. Um. So I would say that that kind of myth is my biggest pet peeve of all of working for yourself. Um. Because I think if people think that about you, I feel it's kind of disrespectful. Do they think that we're just sitting at home twiddling our thumbs, waiting for the next adventure? Or waiting yeah. for the next visitor to stop by the house unannounced because we're not doing anything. Is is that what people think when you work for yourself? I don't know. It's very. It's the idea that yeah, you're at home, so you're not busy. Yeah, you're not doing something that can't be interrupted. But in regards to holidays, like if I was to take a holiday, I couldn't take it whenever I want. I'd have to actually plan so far in advance. I'd have to make sure that I've got somebody who's going to be monitoring the emails and replying to the emails and kind of train them up on, you know, how to deal with it all. Although if I went on holiday, I wouldn't completely disconnect, to be honest, because I'd like to still have control over that. But you, you know what I mean? You'd, I'd have to bring somebody in and yeah. train them up to an extent if there were any problems or anything like that. So the idea of taking a holiday whenever I want for me is a complete, that that's just not going to happen. Can you? I think I have slightly more freedom because you're looking after your product really and so you're always having to be supporting it and things like that whereas for me I I'll have ended a client project before I go away and so I can I can actually disconnect completely I might keep an eye out on my email just in case someone's site's had some sort of massive problem with it or it's broken or something and I can fix it but otherwise I'm I'm better at disconnecting but I do still have to plan ahead a lot. We took a completely spontaneous holiday a couple of weeks ago. We planned it, I think, five days in advance we booked it. Ooh. And we were very lucky that we have Joe here running the office. And she could she dealt with all the email and everything to do with Indy. And so Oral was almost completely cut off and I was completely cut off and I did absolutely nothing at all. <laughs> That sounds amazing. It was. It was needed, though, I think. And that's the problem is that because it's very difficult to commit that time because you know that you're not making any money at all when you're away. You're spending money that you don't, that you're not making as well. And I'm spending money on the dog being looked after and everything like that as well. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that even though it's, it's not a case of being able to drop everything and run off on holiday, it's, um, I just want to stress that it is t it is completely okay for people who work for themselves to take holidays because oh, I know totally. that we all really beat ourselves up about that and feel guilty about it. Um, but with you, it's still it's still not something you can do at any point because you still you couldn't just drop a client project halfway through when they're on a deadline and say, "Guys, I'm off on holiday. I hope yeah. you don't mind. I'll pick this up in two weeks when I'm back." They'd be like, eh, "No." So. As a case of having to plan ahead. Yeah, it's having responsibility as well. I think some people might, may well do that, but I wouldn't want to let anyone down. 
But then you get people who actually work not so much holidays into their lifestyle, but you get people who, like, I think there has been this big boom in, I think, is it called nomadic travelling or something? Oh, yeah, yeah, people who work while they're travelling around. Yeah, there has been a big boom in that, so people can make it work for themselves, but again, I'd imagine that you have to work your way up to that point, you have to, like... I don't know. I don't know what that would entail, but I know that I just couldn't drop everything and go off on holiday. I wish I could. Um, But that's similar to what I was saying about how people think you're available at the drop of a hat. Now, I don't know about you because you work from home too, but I have had friends just drop in on their way past my house just because, you know, they're just passing by. And that really, it really annoys me when people do that. It doesn't happen often. I'm not that popular. But when it does happen, it really annoys me because you would not turn up at somebody's workplace. You would not turn no. up at their office and break their flow and kind of expect them to drop everything and expect their boss to be cool with them, just, you know, entertaining you for half an hour or whatever. That just wouldn't happen. So why do they think it's okay to to do it in your home? Yeah. They don't realise that that means that you have to work late and you have to make up for that or... You might just be in the middle of something important. Yeah. It, yeah. I've, 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 my close family is very uh, fantastic and they're always worried that if they ring me during the day that they'll be disrupting me. And I, I appreciate that, but I have had uh, extended family members just drop in before, um, when I, when I live near them. And that was problematic because I want to be nice and welcoming and chat to people and everything but then in the back of my mind I'm like I need to get this done (laughs) yeah it's difficult it's difficult to strike a balance between being firm with them but also being nice most of the time I just let them hang around and then I hate myself for it for the rest of the day yeah that sounds like me (laughs) (laughs) um so here's an interesting one that I made because I'm I have a theory with this so one of the myths I think people think when you work for yourself that you you make more money and I would say that I think that you do, but that's in the long run. So I think that there's certainly no get-rich-quick scheme with working for yourself. No. That you don't just quit your job and set up your own business and you're instantly earning more. Um, Right now, because I'm in my fourth month of business, I would probably very likely earn more if I went and worked for somebody else right now. But I have this obviously long-term roadmap ahead of me I have a long-term strategy um of you know a few years ahead of me where I think I will be earning more money than if I worked for somebody else because when you work for yourself you obviously do have more control over how much money you make like you know that if you put in more hours you will probably probably be rewarded financially for that yeah so I would say that um you make more money I would say that yes in the long run but that it isn't uh, an instant get-rich-quick scheme. What do you think? Oh, yeah, I may, I barely made enough to pay my rent for the first um, year, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I was, at that time I wasn't paying rent, but I was paying bills and things like that, and it was lucky. I think that's why I chose to go freelance then, because I knew that I had that buffer of not having to worry about rent every month. Um, but now I'd say that, yeah, I probably make as much if, no, I'd probably make more than the average person of our age, um, in this job. Yeah. Uh, Not loads more. 
Um, but And that could always grow as well. That's the thing about working for yourself, though. There is scope to grow, whereas I feel like a lot of the time when you work for yourself, uh, sorry, when you work for somebody, you, there, might, there might not be many ladders to work your way up. There might not be many promotions ahead of you or pay rises yeah. ahead of you. Um, but that option when you work for yourself is there. So I'd say that's true. People do think that, don't they, that you that you make more money? I didn't just make that up. No, I, I think that they, they do. And I think we've also got the flexibility of being able to, if a particular direction we're going in isn't working, particularly as an individual, we can easily just go, well, actually, I think I'll take my business in this other direction and see whether that's more successful. Just like what you've been doing with Insurance by Jack. Going, yeah, actually, I think I could do better if I do this. And no one's in your way. There's no boss you have to get approval to do that with. Um, you can just you can follow your own lead. Yeah, that's so true. Because I was doing property insurance, and then I was like, hold on a second, it doesn't really make sense for me to, um, because I was starting to get invited to speak at conferences and meetups and and write on publications and I thought there's no doesn't make sense trying to sell property insurance to a market of freelancers and small business owners so that's why I moved into business insurance um but yeah I didn't have anybody to tell me no you can't do that or approve it or disapprove it I just went and did it myself so um and things are already picking up so yay yay yeah I've I've had a really good month I'm really excited. I know, I'm so excited. But anyway, anyway, anyway. So, right, what do I have here? I bet you have this one as well. You work in your pyjamas. Yes, I have. You work (laughs) from your bedroom. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, actually, I'm a bit guilty of working in my gym gear sometimes because I know that I'm going to exercise, so I might wake up and put on my gym clothes. But I don't... I about still getting dressed? <laughs> well, exactly. I have never not gotten dressed for even though I I don't have um, client meetings or Skype calls. I still get dressed. But maybe that's because we have dogs, so we have to take them outdoors. Yeah, I I don't know if it would be different if I didn't have a dog because I do. Yeah, I have to get up and take them out first thing in the morning. Um, but still, I think it gives you that mindset of I'm working now when you're dressed because I wouldn't necessarily get up and get dressed first thing in the morning on a weekend Mm, but what about take it but what about taking your dog out well I'll take him out early when I um, get up on a weekday but on the weekend like I can have an extra hour or so where I can fiddle about and have my breakfast he doesn't go on at me he's he's a lazy one in the morning that's quite handy you see I bought um I know a lot of people will groan at this but I bought one of those when I say onesie don't think about like the dinosaur onesies or whatever not that there's anything wrong with those but I bought one of the really as a bit of a treat to myself one of the really expensive original one-piece onesies the Norwegian ones yeah and it's I could live in it easily. It's like I I told myself I'd buy it to play my video games and like just, you know, have a wee Sunday session, my onesie with my video games. And it is really comfortable. But um I definitely like, it's like you said, it's all about mindset. So when you wake up in the morning, just simply getting changed into clothes means that you're ready for work. Because I wouldn't be I don't think I'd be as productive if I was working from bed although sometimes on weekends I do wake up and in and, and bed and pull my laptop up and do a bit of coding or whatever 
but there's something different about doing that at the weekend as yeah. opposed to weekdays. Yeah, I do the same. And even on days if I'm ill, I might be lying in bed um, in my pyjamas, but I'll still get my computer out and check my email and reply if anything's urgent and things like that. It, and it feels very different from sitting at my desk and being committed to working for the next however many hours. Yeah, exactly. Do you have a dinosaur onesie? I don't know. I feel like you do. I don't, I don't have any onesies. Oh, I felt like you. All oh, right, okay. I don't know why. I did. When, when I was, this is completely off topic, but when I was at sixth form at school, we had these charity weeks. And one of the days was wear your pajamas to school day. And instead, I wanted to be different. And so I made myself a teddy bear outfit, which was wow. essentially a onesie with it. I think I do have a photo somewhere. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put that in the show notes this oh, week. I have to see that. <laughs> um, but yeah, a, a teddy bear outfit. We then had to go and pack bags in the supermarket. Uh, you know, like how people do that for charity sometimes. Yeah. But it was in the supermarket that I worked at. So oh, that was that's very yeah. embarrassing. I had a blue ribbon around my neck and everything. I bet it was comfy though. <laughs> it was very comfy. It was. Uh, I think I made. A, I made it out of towels. So wow. it was like flannel, so I like was like a proper te- It was before onesies were a thing. A yeah. long time before onesies were a thing. Yeah. No that that's you're very creative. I had no idea you could make a teddy bear costume out of towels. I'm I'm a crafty kind of person, I think. I like I like a good challenge. Hmm. Well, I definitely want to see that photo. Um, right. Before we carry on, I'm I sh- I should do our first sponsor. Oh yeah, I forgot about the sponsors. Yeah. So our first sponsor this week is Gather Content. Gather Content helps people who build websites to work with their clients to plan, organize, and collaborate on web content. This is a problem I have a huge amount being a web designer. Uh, I'm incredibly anti Laura Ipsum. And so I insist that my clients have to give me the majority of their content before I start on any design work. I mean, I might I might walk through the content with them beforehand. And we might create an outline or something, but that's in my contract. I am not doing any work before I know what I'm working on. And with all that, we have all that toing and froing with these different versions of content. Sometimes people send me PowerPoint files. Sometimes they're Excel documents. I think the worst thing I've had is when a client sent me text in an image and Mm -hmm. I had to then just sit there and painstakingly copy it all out. I think you can really end up filling your hard drive with client content and then you have to work out, was it final copy 10 or final copy final final, um, which is the file name that you're supposed to be working from. Working with content can be a big mess, but that's where Gather Content comes in. It's a web app that helps you keep all of your content in one place. You can collaborate with clients on changes and you won't end up drowning in multiple files. If you get a bit fed up with constantly nagging your clients to give you feedback on the content or even write it on time, you can get approval when you need it with Gather Content's reminders and due dates, which is really handy. Gather Content breaks content down to help you guide your clients and copywriters through what needs to be written. And when you're done, you can just export the approved content directly into your CMS using one of their plugins or their API. That's incredibly useful. And the listeners of this show can get 20% off a Gather Content subscription forever. Not just first month or anything like that. Forever. You just need to sign up through the special page at unfinished.bz slash gather content. 
and use the discount code UNFINISHED. That's an amazing deal. That sounds like a major headache having to deal with clients' content. Yeah, and it's a huge part of design process. You can't do anything without it. It's so important. And so to be fiddling around with email and sending each other files that you can, you might not even be able to read, you might not be able to open because you have different operating systems. Having something that takes the hassle out of that is a very good idea. Why did they send you an image? Because whatever app they were using, they that was the app that they typed text into. They it had text entry, so so oh, bizarre horrible really horrible <laughs> I, sometimes you, you, you get screenshots and things like that and yeah it doesn't make it any easier at all so when you recommend if you're working with clients and if you've recommended gather content to them before are they usually quite happy to embrace using a new app or are they generally quite reluctant i think if you you have to make the case for things like this you have to explain to them why it will make things easier but yeah, I think that with this kind of tool, I'd say it was something that I would buy as a freelancer. I'd buy it as my own business expense because it would save me time and hassle in the future. I wouldn't put that cost on the client. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. So the same as using something like Free Agent or even buying apps like Sketch and things you use to create your work. You, I wouldn't bill those to the client. That makes sense, yeah. So, do you have another myth? Uh, let me have a look. No, I think I think those were the ones I came up with, but I'm sure you've got more. Well, I just... There was one that I think is a big myth with generally just running your own business or working for yourself, being your own boss. And that's that it's all fun and games. You know, people think that you, you Laura, you just get to sit and design all day. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's super fun when the actual fact is, I would say that's not the case. Um, because working for your, yourself, especially when like you and I just being solo, solo people in our businesses, it means that we have to be responsible for the taxes and for winning clients and for managing cash flow. Basically all of the really kind of stressful, boring, money yeah. and stuff that comes yeah. with it um and also we kind of talked about this earlier but it it can also be inc- an, an incredibly lonely lifestyle too so i'd say that it isn't all fun and games but that the in fact the, the way to describe it is that the the highs are incredibly euphoric yeah and the lows are horribly abysmal it's like oh, I totally it's agree. yeah it's a total roller coaster so that was yeah that was kind of my last myth because a lot of them crossed over um but that sounds like i'm kind of ending that on a negative note no well i remember when i started out i used to find dealing with clients um i wasn't i was okay at it but i wasn't great at it and so i used to get terribly affected when I didn't think a client was happy or when they said something to me that upset me, it used to completely destroy me. And as I've, as I've got more experience, I've learned how to work with other people better and how not to read too much into things as well. And that's made it a lot easier because it, the stress can really get on top of you. And when you're by yourself, you, 
you don't have anyone to unload that onto. You don't have anyone to talk through it with you and go, why are you making such a fuss about this? It does. It's not. It's not that bad. You're just reading too much into it because you're so invested in it. Yeah, that's. I mean, I'm quite lucky because my my sister runs her own business too. So whenever we have problems like that, we're just phoning each other like, oh, you'll never guess what happened with my client, and she can talk me around and I can talk her around. But yeah, it's quite. Although you're in a good position now, working with with a couple of people at home, even though they're not working on your business, you can still offload to them, can't you? Yeah, I mean, it's a problem that I don't really have so much nowadays. But yet, when I'm stressed out, it's nice to have people that can. Yeah, you'll just go, "Oh, what is? What's it like? This work is so hard," and and everyone else will be like, "Yeah, yeah, we feel the same way," and everyone can have a good old moment together. And that's oh. it's quite nice. Before I was just talking to the dog. Oh yeah, they they're not really sympathetic, are they? No, I just go have moments where I just go shove my face on Oscar's fluffy stomach. Like <laughs> that would just be like. I bet that makes everything out. better, though. It does help a lot. He and talking. I think you can combat the loneliness by having a dog. I think if I didn't have a dog, I'd probably be in in a hospital now. <laughs> Yeah, it is a big help. And for so many reasons, the fact that so many people who work for themselves and work from home especially can just sit at their desk from the second they get up until the second they finish work. A dog forces you to get up several times a day and get out and move about. And they are great company. Oh, gosh, I just love Indy. That's my dog, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, Oscar is amazing. He's right next to me at the moment, lying on the floor. He likes to tangle himself up in my office chair or my footrest or any or cables. cables. Yeah, I've yeah. seen oh. the pictures. <laughs> yeah, I've had to move all the cables because I came into the house the other day and I called him and all I heard was a massive crash. <laughs> and he'd got himself completely tangled up in the cables under my desk and was so close to pulling my monitor off my desk but hadn't oh, quite managed goodness. it. <gasps> and Oscar. he's a big dog, so... He could cause quite a lot of destruction if you put this weight into it. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. But he's been quiet today. Yeah, he is. Very chilled out. Yeah. So I saw that we got... Um, I don't know if you want to move into yes, Q you and A. We got yes. some good questions from people. Yeah, thank you, people, for sending in the questions. We got some really good ones. Yeah, I haven't made a note of them, though, so I hope exactly. you have. I have got them written down. The first one we've got here is from Elliot Davis, and he says, um, "How do we? Fi- how do you find work that excites you?" He says, "In any industry, how do you find work that excites you?" What do you reckon? Oh my goodness, that's a really difficult question. I think. Um, so maybe I can apply this to my photography. Yeah. Um, and this is something that I'm still having a lot of trouble with, but with photography, I'm trying to go after a certain client. Um, I do wedding photography and I'm, I, I'm trying to attract, I'm trying to book kind of more bespoke weddings. Yeah. So less traditional stuff and more bespoke stuff. Um, and obviously to find that work, you have to show that work. To book that work, you have to show that work. Mm. But it's a really difficult chicken in the egg situation because I haven't really done too many of those weddings in the first place. Although I have done a few this year. Um, but how did I find out that that excited me in the first place? I would say, how do you, like, well, I'm going to let you answer this question first, actually, because this is a really difficult question. What I, what I would say is 
you take what you would do in your spare time anyway and see can you make money from doing that because i've always been a designer since i was tiny i was always creating things it may have been more uh, artistic and architectural when i was younger like when i was playing it was all i was always building and making things and as i got older i realized that that was the design that i wanted to do and that i just i was always drawing i loved creating things for with a purpose so it wasn't just drawing pictures of things but it was uh, i'm i used to make like newspapers and magazines and brochures things like that in my spare time when i was a child i'd draw these out in like pencil and like coloring pencils and things like that and so i think when you take something that you just enjoy outside of making money isn't something you can make money from you're very lucky so is is Elliot a designer I'm not sure. Um, I should I should have checked. I can uh, have a, a a brief pause while I open Tweetbot and uh, and have a quick look. Elliot, Elliot is 18, um, and he doesn't actually have much else on his site. It looks like he creates music. So oh, it's what, a side project. He creates so music. What was his question again? So Elliot's question was. How do you find work that excites you? How do you find work that excites you? Yeah, I mean, that, I think that could be interpreted so many ways as well. That's true. Just as as I've said that, I thought, well, is it maybe from the perspective of how do you find jobs as part of the work that you do that excite you? So how do you find good projects? Yeah, which is where I was coming at it from, even though I kind of lost my train of thought. That's where I was approaching it from. Like, you have to show the kind of work that you want to book. Yeah, but then, and I'd agree but, with that. that. That goes for design work as well. But then halfway through, I thought, oh, is that what he means? And that's why I freaked out and asked <laughs> you. <laughs> so then I answered it in a completely different way. But, but that's good. Then Yeah, it makes a, an interesting discussion. I think yeah. with regards to finding the work that excites you, I think you will... When you when you're looking for projects as well, you in order to show the work you want to do, you still need to know what you want to do, uh, and yeah. I think that's quite difficult. I think trying as many different yes. things as possible is um, is a good way of doing it. That's why I did an art foundation course when I was eighteen, um, which is the the old idea was that you would go to this college class, you would try out as many different art and design disciplines as you could possibly cram in and from there you realize which you enjoy which you care about the most and which you want to study further if at all and Mm -hmm. i've always thought that's a great approach we should have that approach in other areas as well um, because that reinforced to me that i actually wanted to do design and i wanted it to be interactive design and i did photography and art and uh, fashion design and printmaking and graphic design and all these different things sculpture and is it was a really good way of reinforcing for me what i did enjoy and variety always helps always it makes anything more interesting something's always interesting if it's different from what you've done before yeah i completely agree with you try as many things as you can like with photography i've tried everything like landscapes and products and portraits and now that's what i know that i love doing is portraits just by trying everything 
but yeah, that, that question, there could be so many different aspects to it. So sorry if we misread you, Elliot. You can always be more specific and ask us again for next week. <laughs> yeah. So what other ones did we have? So Simon Cox asked us two questions, um, both really good ones. Um, first off, where do you get your inspiration from? Any interesting or wacky examples? Ooh. Um, how about you, Ashley? In terms, I guess in terms of photography is probably, well, well, I actually know it could be with your insurance as well. I'm quite, I'm one of those people who's easily inspired. Yeah. Um, rarely does a day pass where I haven't had a jolt of that, you know, that really good jolt you get of inspiration. Yeah. And you suddenly want to do everything really quickly. Yeah. Oh man. That and it exhausts you. Yeah. Um, I, I get that daily and, and and I get it from everything, from something as simple and stupid as going to a nice coffee shop and drinking a great cup of coffee to reading a blog post where somebody shared something that they've learned to looking through somebody's um, Pinterest board. I get it from everywhere. I wouldn't really, I can't think of any wacky examples, but I'm just, I'm quite lucky that way that I see, I see something inspiring in everything and it excites me. Yeah, it's your way of looking at the world. Yeah. I, I like that. that. That's a cool way to be. What about you? I think nowadays I find I get more inspiration from people's approaches and motivations towards their work. Mm. So it's less about uh, in, in terms of design, it's less about what it looks like and how it behaves and more about why. Why, why was it made that way? Why does this person actually care about that thing? I find uh, people's enthusiasm and their caring for a project very infectious. So if someone talks about how fantastic something is, how much they love the company that they work for, I'll be like, wow, yeah, that sounds really cool. Your company sounds really cool. I want to have something like that. And that's what uh, the motivation tends to set me alight in that way. Yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah, that that is a good question. Good one, Simon. Yeah, uh, and and I like this. This is a this is a, a great contrasting question again from Simon. What are you pretending not to know, and why? Uh, he, the example he gives here is: I know how to build table layouts, but I don't admit it. <laughs> wow, I can't even think of anything. What do you have an answer to that? What do I know that's awful? Um, well, yeah, I do know how to do table layouts. That's because I learned how to do the web stuff the wrong way before I learned the right way. I didn't even have the excuse of it being pre-good CSS or anything. I just learned it by typing in how do I make a website into search engine. Oh, yeah, I think that, well, I know how to, I used to build, um, table-based websites <laughs> like you know like a decade ago um but I think anybody who started out in the web that long ago generally knows how to do that don't they because that's yeah. what you used to do well and it's st for a long time it's still relevant for html emails as well so it could be the question could even be applied to something that you're embarrassed about knowing yeah oh okay in that case I've got one gone um I know how to juggle and I find that embarrassing because when I went to high school in my first year, instead of like going to one of the cool classes that they put on, I went to the circus club 
every week. That where, sounds really <laughs> No, that's where, like, if you want to get bullied, that's where you go. <laughs> <laughs> and I learned how to juggle and do all of the circus tricks. The di- Is it called a Diablo or something? Oh, yeah, yeah. Learned all of that stuff. No, and sometimes I still juggle because I think it's cool, but then I remember it isn't actually. No, it is cool. I think you can <laughs> let go of that kind of stuff when you get older. You don't have to worry so much about who thinks it's cool. Yeah, that's true. Um, I like that question. I'm just sad that I can't think of anything to do with the web. Yeah, I today um, I'm I made knocked up a little image earlier because I was mucking about on a Friday. And one thing I think is not particularly relevant to what I do, but I'm actually quite good at photo manipulation. And I find that quite very useful if you're a photographer and things like that. But I think that if you're not, um, I find it slightly embarrassing because it does rather suggest that I edit everything on all my images a lot, which isn't at all the case. So you're not talking about like putting a cat's face on the president of America? Oh yeah, yeah, things like that. Oh wow, that's I, a good skill to I have. I can do that stuff. Um, today I put <laughs> Joe, who works with us, I put her face on the uh, um, oh I can't remember the name, the bow selector little bear character. <laughs> and I put Andy's face on the, and I, I don't, I haven't watched Game of Thrones yet, but the long blonde haired lady of uh, oh, Game yeah. of Thrones, I put his face on her body. <laughs> and I can do stuff like that. I used to spend a lot of time practicing things like that. When I was just starting out with digital design, I thought that maybe that was an area I want to go into. Um, I intentionally don't edit photos of myself. Oh, um, because I think that's a very dangerous road to go down. Um, possibly after I, my graduation photo is incredibly photo manipulated. And it was at that point that I realized that I needed to do something about how I felt about myself and my body image. Because when you feel you need to do that to photos of yourself to such a degree, I don't think that's healthy. Yeah, I think, I think one of the first conversations you and I had was about twitter avatars or something yeah um because i was like i'd admitted that i'd i'd done skin smoothing <laughs> oh i remember that now. yeah and you'd said that you just kind of kept yours really simple because you know how you get some people who you meet them in real life and you're like whoa you don't look anything like yeah that's probably me <laughs> no, you you were definitely no you're definitely you're definitely recognizable from your oh, answer i think but see if I give you can can we start making requests to you to do to photo manipulate us like do you put me and Daniel Craig together, <laughs> husband and wife or something? I had a, my <laughs> sis, my sister once sent me a load of photos. She had a, a noisy dog in the background. Um, my sister had a company photo done, and a couple of people were away that day, so she sent me their photos separately so I could put them into the picture. It does rely on good oh. on having good source material. Um, Do you know that's? Time. I get that request a lot as a wedding photographer. Oh, like, you must do for lineups and things. Well, but crazy things like, um, you know, maybe grandparents who are no longer alive that's who creepy. aren't at the wedding. That's really creepy. Yeah, and I just have to say, well, no. <laughs> you know there's no point in going into a list of reasons why not but just no i think now might be a good time to do our second and final sponsor uh, our second sponsor is simply fix it 
and they repair iPhones and iPads. I don't know about you, but I'm constantly dropping my iPhone. I think it's since they switched the iPhone, uh, the iPhone size went from being quite a comfortable small size. When they went to the iPhone 4, it's a little bit too big for my hands. I do have ridiculously small hands, but I drop my phone every day um, without fail. And every time I drop it, it's the case of, <laughs> let's look and see if I've managed to smash the screen. And I have actually, I smashed my screen again this week. And that's how often not I do it. Yep. It's not quite as bad as last time, but it's one of those nice diagonal smashes from one corner to the other. And while I, I've seen that you can get these DIY kits online, I don't think I'd be able to do it without getting a lot of dog hair underneath the screen that I'd be permanently stuck with. Apple aren't really very forgiving when you've broken your screen. They, they'll trade it in, your damaged phone, for a new one, but that's still very expensive. Have you broken your screen before? Yeah, I actually... Um, I've broken my screen twice and I still have an iPhone with a broken screen that I I'm keep meaning to send to simply fix it. Yeah, you see people with them all the time. And the first time I, I broke my screen, I was like, when I had an iPhone 3G, I found a really dodgy shop in Wimbledon and I paid them in cash and I walked off for a couple of hours and I was pretty sure I would never see my phone again. <laughs> And did you? I did, but it was a really bad job. You could see glue all around the edge. It was really horrible. So a couple of months ago, I tried out Simply Fix It. And my phone screen wasn't just broken. It was completely obliterated. It was in so many pieces, it was barely usable. I, if you, when I ran my thumb over it, it was really rough. So what I did was I posted my uh, phone off to them, printed off their form that they have on their website. And it was back and beautiful and shiny and new within 48 hours. That's great. And they're based in Edinburgh, so they're up your way. Woo! But obviously I am as far away as I can get from you on the south coast in Brighton. So it went across the whole of England and got fixed and came all the way back down in 48 hours. Just such good service. And it looked beautiful. It looked as new. It was perfect. And you know, that means that my phone has been to Scotland when I haven't. <laughs> yeah, that's quite weird. But they're a company that, to me, just um, popped up out of nowhere, and now I see them all over the place. How did you hear of them? Uh, I think I heard of them through Andy, because he got a fix done with them when he was in the area, I think. It's very tricky because you don't know who to trust with these services, because it's very easy to do a bad job. And so when you do find someone that's reliable, I think it's really good to go for them. So Simply Fix It, they're a top choice for iPhone and iPad repairs. They also offer a great warranty option for customers in the UK. For just £10, you can upgrade their standard warranty to cover accidental damage. And I, I so should have done that last time, but now I've broken it again. It means that no matter how it happens, if your iPhone screen breaks, they'll fix it for free. Wow. And even better than that, the listeners to this show get 10% off any iPhone or iPad repair, plus a free upgrade from the standard warranty to three months accidental cover too. So if you want to take advantage of that, and I think you'd be foolish if you didn't, you have to go to unfinished.bz slash simplyfixit and quote our offer code, which is unfinished, to get that great deal. I should go off right now and start printing out that that form and fill it out and send my phone off again, I think. Do you know what, though? See, sorry, I'm eating a biscuit right now. That's why my mouth's full. But 
I um I got a 5C and ever since I've had my 5C I've dropped it countless times but it's so durable. Yeah. Maybe you should think about getting yourself a wee 5C instead. Uh, well, I th- they'll release another one this autumn, won't they? So I'll get whatever the new one is. Yeah, that's true. And hopefully that'll be my last phone before the indie phone. Oh yeah, of course. I'll have to see if Simply Fix It will do deals for when I inevitably drop my indie phone. <laughs> are, are you as are you allowed to talk about what you're doing with indie phone, or is it all a big secret? Uh, there are things I can talk about, and uh, basically most of the details about the actual phone I can't talk about that. But you've um. Because I've, I've not seen the phone yet, as anybody? No, no one else has seen the phone yet. But it is being designed? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, it's exciting. Yeah, crowdfunding in 92 days, 92 days until crowdfunding. Then people will see. You must have a lot to do before then. Oh, yes, so much. <laughs> <laughs> a scary amount of things to do. Yeah. We have a few more questions. We are, we are rapidly running out of time. Maybe we should take uh, one more question. Uh, today and we can save the other two for next time okay we have a, a it's a it's a, a good question so is it i want to know this is shane pendergrass i want to know what you both want to achieve before you retire hashtag ultimate goal Ooh, i like that do you want to go first yeah i have i i, I have a slightly churlish i reject the premise of your question <laughs> I don't want to retire. Oh, of course. I don't understand. I'm, I want to work until my, I can't use my eyes anymore and I can't use my hands anymore. Um, I want to be designing things. Uh, and even if I got to that point, I would want to be yeah, doing something accessible, um, doing something that I wouldn't need my eyes or hands for. I don't just work for money. I work because it, I enjoy it, because it makes me feel like I'm doing something worthwhile. And I want to be able to keep contributing in that way. That's a nice answer. And I think a lot of people feel the same way about retirement. Because we love what we do, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. I I think that that I guess my ultimate goal is to actually uh, create something that has has real impact. Um, Not necessarily in a... I'm, I'm not bothered about being well known or something like that but i want to create something that makes a meaningful difference to people's lives yeah that's 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 a nice that's a nice goal to have and i think that you will reach it well i I don't know but i think it's a good thing to aim for it's something that you can keep aiming for and no matter what you're doing you can then like i can always yeah it's an endless goal yeah yeah they're they're the best ones to have are they not yeah well, I mean, what do you? What otherwise? What do you do when you what, when you've done it? Oh, what do you, what do you do when you when you reach that goal? And that's why retirement terrifies me. the The idea of what do people do when they're retired? Sit around, go have go have cups of coffee with people all the time. Retirement is similar to entrepreneurs who have sold their companies, and I've read a ton of stories where they sell their companies and then they immediately regret it because they're like, whoa what do I do now? Yeah. That's what I think retirement's like. And it well, and that then makes you wonder that if you're, if everything, all the work that you're doing is just for money, you're not doing it because you enjoy it, you're just doing it for money and so you can retire comfortably. What are you spending your life doing? Yeah, this is, um, 
so th- we totally talked about this today on the podcast that I recorded with Paddy. Yeah. It's out on Wednesday. So give that a listen because that's what, that's what I kind of spoke about how I realized that I'm not doing what I'm doing for money, that that has nothing to do with it. And that's a nice realization because I think a lot of people do think that you work for yourself for money or that you're doing certain things for money, but it's, it's, when you really think about it, you realize it's not about that actually. No. And I think we're in a very privileged position to be able to choose to do this kind of work. Um, but I think if you are in that position and you do have that flexibility, then yeah, you should aim, aim higher than money. I do have an ultimate goal though. Um, but anybody who, who listens to me speak will know what it is. And my ultimate goal really is to just build a simple insurance business that embraces good technology. I just want to be able to provide, and I'm not there yet. I just want to be able to provide the platform for people to go on to and say, I'm a designer. This is what cover I need. This is where I live. Hook me up. Boom. Like I hate how complex insurance is at the moment with, you know, so many questions and so many requirements to me. If I can simplify that and present it in an aesthetically pleasing way and a simple way, then I've honestly, that's me nailing my, my goal. So that's mine. I think that's a great goal. It's a silly goal. I no, never thought, not when at I was all. growing up, I never thought that would be my goal in life. <laughs> yeah. That, that doesn't mean it's silly. We, we think lots of stupid things when we're younger, though, don't we? Yeah, but that's, that's it. And we're lucky, though, that we know what our goals are. Oh yeah, the fact that I knew that I wanted to be a designer um, from such a young age made my life a lot easier because I knew which steps I needed to take in order to get there. We're both 27, right? Yep. And I just have so many friends who still are freaking out because they don't know what they want to do and it's really, it's upsetting to see because I feel like I've got things really figured out. I know where I'm headed, I know what I'm chasing and I feel really, like, I just can't imagine that. They must feel so lost, it's a shame. (laughs) My dad turns around and says to me sometimes I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up really he does fantastic work and he works incredibly hard but he's still not quite sure that's what he wants to be doing it's scary isn't it yeah well I think we should wrap it up I think that's been a great episode yeah let's go and enjoy your weekend yeah I should remember to do all the things that I forgot last week and um, the show notes for this show will be available at unfinished.bz slash 81, because this is episode 81. We were episode 80 last week, mm. and we didn't even mention it or celebrate or anything. Oh, well, we're celebrating it now. Yeah. And if you want to get in touch with Andy about any future episodes, his email address is he has at unfinished.bz, and it's at unfinished.bz on Twitter. Uh, what's your Twitter handle, Ashley? I am Ashley. I'm not going to say the next bit like I always do. <laughs> yeah. And my Twitter handle is at Laura Calvac. <laughs>